This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It's episode 129. It's Thursday, February 9th, and we have a voicemail episode. We have not done a voicemail episode in like almost a year. We got so many messages from you guys. We're so excited. We wish we could go through them all, but we have hand-selected a few to go through. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm lovely. I'm uh, I'm glad we got as many voicemails as we did. We get to to pick and choose. Uh, so thank you guys for supporting. I I'm very thankful that you guys answered the call for Miss Cleo. Thank you. <laughs> I thought it was really sweet that some people called in to say, "Hey, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say, hey, I love the show." Which is so you awesome. guys. You got to listen to all the voicemails. I, did. I don't have access into our own voicemail. I mean, I could I could grant you that access if you want to go. That through. would be lovely. They're all yeah, still it would there. Nice to be a part of the okay. team. I will I will do that as well. Because um, yeah. last time we had, I think twelve people call in, and we were able to use everybody. This time we had sixty people call, and I think we just narrowed it down to twelve. Ah, oh, sixty! Shout out to everybody. That's Thank crazy. you very much. Absolutely crazy. Um, there is a little bit of news, I guess, we can talk about before we dive in to voicemail stuff. And that's the fact that a uh, very, uh, you know, an older Met, you know, 2006 Met from that era is back with the club after kind of a, a weird detour in 2020 where he was almost manager and then wasn't manager. But Carlos Beltran is back in the front office for the New York Mets. That was announced last week. He's leaving the yes booth and coming back home to the New York Metropolitans. Jerry, any, any impressions from this move? Yes. My favorite thing is that he said no to yes. That's just my favorite thing. Uh, no, I mean, he he's where he belongs. He is a Met. I know there's some Cardinals fans out there that really appreciate what he did for their organization. Sure. But to me, he's a Met. And he's also – I've actually never interacted with him. But Really? Not once? Everybody I know has said he's one of the elite baseball minds. You just, you're just around some guys that just have that kind of – instinctual knowledge and you're like that guy's going to be a manager someday that's the same feeling you got from carlos beltran he just also happens to be a hall of fame type talent um but he did get mixed up in some mixed up in some bruja i guess uh (laughs) his own self-inflicted wounds i am not a fan of the cheating scandal all that was uh all of it it's pretty gross. It does taint his image and his legacy a bit, and deservedly so. I That's how I personally feel, and I sure. would say it to his face. I think it's egregious what they did, but I don't think that it – like it's not like a steroids thing where your his whole career is in question. 
because that technology didn't exist. It does make you think, you know, what did they do beforehand? But the guy is an unbelievable baseball player, a really, really smart baseball mind. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh, so I'm glad to see he's found a home with the New York Mets. Um, I feel like he's just kind of dabbling in his post-playing career and figuring out where he wants to be, what he likes. Um, I could still see him managing at some point in the future. Um, and it could be the New York Mets. He could be the success for, successor to, to Buck Showalter. Um, but again, that's all speculation. But I'm happy he's in an organization with a group of fans and a family uh, with the New York Mets because he he deserves to be loved, and the New York Mets love him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you put it really well there. It's not the fact that you know in 2020 it was basically the worst timing possible to hire Carlos Beltran because that's when the scandal was at its height, and you know it's still lingering for a lot of baseball fans as well. Uh, so I think the Mets kind of waited for it to die down a bit and for that to be in the rearview mirror to you know execute this hire. Uh, Buck Showalter is really happy about it, and he says if Carlos wants to do on-field instruction, he's going to take all that advice, which is pretty cool. Uh, but Carlos's role is going to be special assistant to the GM, Billy Epler, which I found really interesting because you can kind of slide in Beltran on either side of the ball here in terms of the front office and on-the-field stuff, and he's probably got a lot of wisdom to impart. Also, Lindor said that uh, Beltran was still someone he talked to during the season last year for advice and just the going-throughs of you know playing in New York and stuff like that. So it's still... He had an influence on the organization even when he wasn't fully a part of it, which I found really interesting. Uh, but, yeah, he's back, and I think it's it's kind of cool for a lot of Mets fans who are sort of the newer age of Mets fans like myself who grew up watching that team and, you know, get to see him come back and sort of try and finish the job that he couldn't do the first time. So all good things, I think. Yeah, uh, 100% good thing. There, There's no doubt about it. Hmm. Oh, there was another. We um, what do you we picked up a guy and designated Khalil Lee. I saw the we Mets. We did, yeah. What's, so I, there, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Khalil Lee had uh, some investigations going on by MLB for some pretty not-so-good charges. Um, the Mets had a trade for him a while back. I think it was in 21. It was one of the first moves by the new regime. A move that I originally really liked because a lot of the uh, you know statistics on Chloe's power numbers were really good, uh, but he fell as low as single A last year. Had re- a lot of trouble figuring things out. Had high strikeout numbers. Uh, the Mets end up cutting him, and they pick up right-handed pitcher Sam Coonrod from the Phillies. And we saw you know Coonrod a lot of flashes of brilliance back in 2021. I think he was up and down a lot last year, and their bullpen has gotten a lot better. So I understand why there's not a lot of room for him. But the Mets have built themselves quite a little cache of really good quadruple a relievers that can really maybe take a step up during the season and be that sixth or seventh uh sixth or seventh guy in the back of the bullpen so i like it i do too i think coonrod um is a good addition he's got a huge upside mm. i think he's he's a bounce back candidate and he still has an option so they can they can keep him in the triple a and still on the 40 man that's huge um the Khalil Lee thing was news to me. I didn't know that he was under investigation. So Same. I was like surprised because he's still really young Yeah. Uh, to see him designated. Granted, his performance wasn't anything. But uh, yeah, man, that's unfortunate for everybody involved, especially, you know, the victims of domestic violence or whatever right. the case may be. Exactly. But, uh, I think Coonrod might be a sneaky pitching depth that that'll come up and, and he could throw some very key innings this season for the New York Mets. Yeah. I mean, depth, 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 you know, it's all good stuff there. And I mean, depth, depth, 
It's hard to say three times in a row, but I, I, I went for it. <laughs> you, you, know? you did it. I was I like, went oh, for okay. It. it was pretty good. Not bad. And <laughs> uh, extra kudos to the Mets for acting swiftly on this kind of thing, avoiding any further controversy. Because, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we had the Jared Porter situation. A lot of, you know, murky things surrounding this franchise. And I think, yeah. you know, yeah, the ability to act quickly I think it's a good. smart move. And again, had Khalil Lee been performing better, you know, who knows? But right. this is the right thing to do. Move on. Change the scenery. Don't worry about it. The headache is not necessary. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully, if there was allegedly some victim of domestic violence or whatever the case may be, I hope the best for whoever it was. Exactly. Well put. Uh, but I think that's that's about it. It's been kind of quiet on the Mets front. We are in like the dog days of the offseason. It feels like the, the August of the offseason where we're kind of just winding down and waiting for things to get going in spring training. Um, I know, right? It's quiet because... Pitchers and catchers right around the corner. I'm know, so damn excited. Also, we haven't we haven't officially said it. I guess we can officially say you our You want to say it? Let's yeah. go ahead. Announce. I think we can say it. We got the plane tickets and everything. We got the house. Me and Jerry are going to be at spring training, guys. Uh, I believe we're going to be there the 22nd through the 27th of February. Uh, we're banging out player profile and projection, uh, projection episodes during then. I'm hoping we can get like... 15 done and we're going to be doing a lot of other stuff we'll be around clover park in port st Lucie. hopefully we see a lot of mets fans there we'd love to interact and do some stuff with you guys as well but this is going to be my first spring training ever so i'm really excited yeah this is your first venture into mets we obviously did the john boy spring training home in arizona last year which was an absolute blast uh florida is a whole different animal and you're going to be where your bread and butter is you're going to be there for the Mets. And so it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, I already told my parents and my dad's first request was get some autographs. That's all I want. Just get some <laughs> autographs. And I was like, dad, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be friendly with people. You know, I'm trying to, you know, you know, meet, yeah, you're trying to be, you know, be a professional fan. and dad's like, give me an autograph. He did not care. He wants, don't to worry. I, I've done that my whole career. <laughs> it was kind of frowned upon early in my career to ask your, your fellow baseball players sure, for sure. autographs. Obviously, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., those kind of guys yeah. I did. But, you know, I'll be like, hey, uh, my mom wants your autograph. It's hard to say <laughs> no to, to somebody's mom. So exactly. I'm going to get be able one. to pull it. I got to get him one. I'm going to if I can get Nimmo to sign a ball, Nimmo would do it. I think he, he feels oh, like a strong nice arm. Autograph his guy. his uh, his niceness, his ability <laughs> to be nice. I thought so you were a nice it, guy, Brandon. Take Come advantage. <laughs> Um, and with that, you know, so hopefully we see you guys. We'll probably put out like a formal post and, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll have fun. I mean, like we're so excited, but let's so get into fun. those voicemails. Thanks again to everybody who called in either with a question, with a statement, but uh, even those guys that called in and, and said, you know, I don't have a question, just wanted to, to give a call in. So cool. So appreciative. Uh, Jolly and I and Jack as well. Uh, we're, we appreciate you guys' support because without you guys listening and, and tuning in, uh, we don't exist. So thank you. Love that. We also appreciate the support of our sponsor for today's episode, the DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll tell you about them real quick. The biggest Sunday in sports is right around the corner, and the DraftKings Sportsbook is the best place to place your bets on the Super Bowl. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all new customers can get in on same-game parlays and combine those bets for an even bigger payout check the app every day between 6 
uh, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time to see what prop bet will be boosted during that time as well. Again, download their free and easy to use app right now. Use code SHEA and new customers can bet $5 on the Super Bowl and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHEA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And thank you to DraftKings for sponsoring our voicemail episode. Love it. Thank you, DraftKings. Jerry, I've gotten so good at saying minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You know how hard that is to say really fast? Is that harder or is three depths in a row harder? That's a good question. Depth, depth, depth. <laughs> well, you can never have too much depth, depth, depth. We're going off the rails uh, yeah. already. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into it. Jack, can you take us away if you don't mind? Hey, guys. My name's Nick. I live in the D.C. metro area. Uh, real big fan of your pod. Um, love talking baseball. John Boy Media, my favorite Mets pod out there. He's been Mets fan for over a decade. I have a question about what your guys' thoughts are on the future of Pete Alonso. Um, you think he's an integral part of our team. His, his consistent power has been incredible the few years he's been in the league, and, and, you know, we need to expand on that. But do you see him playing first base in the latter half of his career? Um, where do you see him kind of fitting into the Mets' plans as the contract talks come up? you know, uh, throughout the offseason and, and, you know, over the course of the year and, and, and the next year. Uh, real curious on your, your long-term outlook on Pete, part of the Mets franchise here. Um, thanks for your time. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Nick. Jerry, you want to take this one away? I do. Nick, shout out D.C. metro area. Hell Lived yeah. in D.C. for a year. So, uh, national. Nick, I cannot see a future without Pete Alonso being a New York Met. It is a must for me. Mm. He is a piece of your of your franchise that has to be around. To me, there's some consistency. Uh, this lineup has has been devoid of power, mm. and he is your power. He's a preeminent power first baseman, a throwback to those '90s and early 2000s style of bashing first baseman. Um, and I love it. He's a hard worker. He's he's a great member of an organization he's a, he's good to the younger guys he's he's uh very responsible and out front plus i think his power translates he's not like i i don't think i can i could see him aging well even though power kind of fades with time i can see him pulling you know doing well later into his career mm-hmm. as for first base i think he might even become a better first baseman uh, and over the next few years, based on reps and and getting practice at the big league level, learning his own range, because right now you'll still see him dive for things that are out of his range or he gets to balls that he shouldn't get to because of the second baseman being there. I think he's going to become a better first baseman and I can see him playing there for forever. I can see him. Staging, obviously, you know, if you have a young guy come up with with a glove first, you can slide him into DH. Um, but to me, the, he's he is the biggest target uh, out there for for the New York Mets. He needs to they need to lock him up. They need to do it soon uh, because I would be up in arms if they let this guy switch organizations. Jerry, I got a question for you. Um, where do you think Pete Alonso ranks on the all-time Mets home run list right now? Right now. So he Mets have been around since what year? 60? 62. 62. So that's not a super deep. 60 uh, years. I bet he is top seven. You 
nailed that. He is seven on the Mets all-time home run <laughs> all right, list. That was crazy. That, that was really good. And if Pete Alonso hits 45 home runs this year, he's going to leap all the way to number four on that list. And not to mention, he did this with the 2020 season. Right. Like, that is brutal. Took but, the like, there's so enough. many of these, of these records that are skewed because this guy is, like, he missed a majority of a season. It was wild. But he's special – and he is a New York Met, and he loves the team. He loves the organization. Um, he's good for the city. Like, it's it's a win-win for everybody involved. Um, so I think that is obviously the next big key. Yeah, I mean, you you nailed so many points there. He, he feels like he's indicative of the image of this team. Like, when you think of the Mets, you think of Pete Alonso, And also... He's getting better. I mean, the big one of the big things for me going into last year was can Pete Alonso stop chasing so much and during his at bats? He had a twenty four percent strikeout percentage going into last year in his career. Last year he brought it all the way down to eighteen percent, which is that's a, incredible. A staggering change. That's it's, above. That's above average. Yeah, he set the all time Mets single season RBI record last year. He's only going to be twenty eight, and he's yeah. got a few more years left on this contract. And the it's really kind of the last piece of the Mets core puzzle right now is Pete Alonso. What is this deal going to look like? And I agree do it sooner than later, because for all we know, Pete Alonso could have a career best season next year. There's no reason to suggest that he shouldn't. Also, the guy's never injured. He's always on the field. He loves the team and loves the city. There's no reason to not want Pete Alonso back for the foreseeable future. You can argue that he might not be a first baseman, but listen, man, if he's hitting 45 to 50 home runs a season, I don't really care if he's a DH. When we did our when we did our top ten list, uh, the only thing that was holding Pete Alonso back was if he gets into that 45, 50 territory, he's the top five. Like yeah. I I you know what I mean? Like he's there's just not that kind of guy out there that can regularly do that. And yeah. he's shown he's got this staggering power that that plays. Um, and I think he did take a step forward last year as far as bat to ball skills he's learned. The there is two sides to this signing Pete Alonso because depending on what he wants, does he want right. to play until he's 40 and sign like a 13 year deal? I don't think that's a feasible thing to ask for at his age, especially early. So who knows? They'll they'll figure it out. I, I have faith in this organization and in Pete Alonso's wish and desire to be a Met, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I have no idea what this contract would look like. Maybe something like the eight-year range. I'm I'm not good at that kind of thing. But. I, I don't. That's not me either. Uh, but again, it's a two sides. What are you willing to do? Because McNeil to me was uh, an amazing sign for the Mets, and they were both very reasonable in their their right. their time and their and their money. So um, again, we'll see. And like you said, it's hard to find, demonstrated by the fact that the Mets haven't really found someone to bat behind him, really, throughout his entire tenure as a Met. So losing him would be catastrophic. So the future definitely looks like Pete Alonso would be a part of it. It's just a question of how much does he get? How long does he get? What does that deal look like? Correct. Next one? Let's do it. Hi, Jolly and Jerry. This is Elliot from Northeast Tennessee. Uh, my question for you guys is, out of Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, and Francisco Alvarez, who do you think has the best chance of making the opening day roster, if any of them? So I just wanted to get you guys' input on that. Thank you. Thanks, Elliot. That's a good one. Nice. This is a question we got a few times. I think Elliot's was the first one I heard, so I went with Elliot's. Um, it's a tough one, honestly. 
It's very, it's, very specific. Thank you, Elliot from Northeast Tennessee. I'm born in Eastern Tennessee, Johnson yeah. City. Wonder where you're from. Hell Either yeah. way, opening day roster specific. So mm. this is a very specific question. Right. So I'll let you. I'll let you answer it first. Yeah, because it's not a matter of which guy is going to have the most impact. This, yeah, this it's which guy is going to be up first. Yeah. Who so make, who has the best chance to make opening day roster? So the. The acquisition of Tommy Pham does complicate it a little bit because now the Mets have kind of a filled out bench if you do Nito, Ruff, Guillaume, Pham. So with that, if Ruff for some reason, you know, doesn't make the team, which, you know, there obviously would be a reason, we all know it. But in my opinion, I envision Mark Vientos getting that spot for a couple reasons. One, we've talked a lot about the fact that Brett Beatty did not get a ton of seasoning at AAA before he got called up. And he did look good and a lot of moments down the stretch for the Mets last year. But I do think some time at that highest level of the minor leagues would be really beneficial to him. Two, the Mets have outright said that Francisco Alvarez is not going to make the opening day roster because they want him to be a catcher, not a DH. Whether you agree with that or not, that is their plan. They've made it abundantly clear. He's going to be in spring training getting reps, but I don't see him making the opening day roster barring some kind of injury. Vientos is the one that got a ton of seasoning at AAA last year, got a ton of at-bats, produced offensively really well. His only caveat has been his defense, but if the Mets need a right-handed bat off the bench that isn't Darren Ruff, I envision it being Mark Vientos. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I'm just going to add that Beatty needs seasoning at third base. Mm. He needs third base reps, and I think um, they're not going to give him opening day starting third baseman job in the big league. So uh, I think he needs seasoning. Alvarez needs reps defensively. Yep. And then Vientos is the only guy that's – that's. I, I've never seen him play much defensively, so I don't know if he deserves the, the tag of a bat only. Um, but that's what he's got, and that's what I'm going to go off of. Um, I can see him. He's the only guy I can see making outside of injury um, making the opening day roster. Jerry, did you see who Brett Beatty trained with this winter? I did. I did. He's a Tulo kind of guy. Let's see that cannon show up. That'd be kind of sick. I mean, Tulo was one of my favorite shortstops to watch just do anything growing up. Absolutely. So if you're learning from him, you're learning good stuff. Next one. Let's do it. Hi, I have a question for Jerry. So recently I found my pair of Jerry Blevins socks from a giveaway at City Field a few years back. And I was wondering if you remember that giveaway, if you had any part in it, um, in planning it, or if you own a pair of the socks yourself. Thank you. Uh, shout out to the the <laughs> nameless uh, Blevins questioner. Uh, I do have the socks. I had no part in it. Um, I begged and begged for a long time for a, a bobblehead giveaway. <laughs> I had never had, like, there's so many people that have had bobbleheads in the minor leagues and other players. And I'm like, come on, can a guy get a bobblehead? Uh, my boy, Tyler Clipper got a bobblehead really? with the nationals in the come big on. leagues, all <laughs> the above. And so I was lobbying. And then when the Mets signed Todd Frazier, New York, New Jersey native, you know, fan favorite, they were like, all right, cool. He's going to get this sock giveaway. And then they realized he kind of needs something else. He needs something bigger than a sock giveaway. Oh, so they no. said, here's your sock giveaway, Jerry. And I'm forever grateful. 
Uh, the only thing on the socks that has any semblance of me is a picture on the <laughs> the cardboard that clips the socks together. Oh. Um, and I do. I have like, you know, probably five pair left. Uh, so I am grateful to the Mets for doing that in particular, because when you show up to the ballpark, you're like, oh, it's a giveaway day. Who the F is Jerry Blevins? And why does he have socks? You know, so it, it, it's to me, it's like a fun little trivia for the most random giveaway uh, ever in New York Pets history. I mean, you're right. Your name isn't even on the socks. It just looks no, it's like just on socks. my pictures, just on the side. Ah, they demoted you to sock duty. They couldn't give you one bobblehead. I, if I if I were going to get something, it would have been like a, a bow tie giveaway. It would have been fun. Oh, that'd be nice. I think Jack suggested this before. We need a pair to like hang right here. A pair of socks? Right behind. I'll him. bring one in. I'll bring a pair in. Good luck, Blevin socks. That's what we need right there. There it is. That's crazy. I never got a pair. What year was this? 20... 2018, 2018, probably. Oh, we don't talk about 2018. Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno or 2018. No, sir. That was fun. Next one. Jolly, Jerry, this is Paul from Pennsylvania. First time caller, long time listener. Hey, I just wanted to ask, are we going to see you guys back together for the OG Shea Station Blitzball? I want to see some, some lefty pitching. Jolly, Jolly's got the swing, the home run, the confidence. Are you guys going to get the band back together? That's my question. Love that question. Jerry, you might have to break his heart, though. I will. I will. I think our days uh, in the Blitzball battle are behind us. I have retired from competitive Blitzball um, throwing, pitching, mm. and I think I left Jolly out to dry because I don't want to want to throw anymore. And so just when he's starting to warm up and and rake at the plate, uh, he didn't have a teammate to represent Shea Station. So. Listen, I think the first Blitzball battle, you threw, what, like 300 pitches in three <laughs> days or something ridiculous? Yeah, and they made it slow it way down. And so I get it. And so um, I don't – I can't compete without competing. And so mm. when you give me a rev limiter, I have a hard time at that level. Never really worked for me. Sure, sure. If I'm going to play, I'm going to play. Um, so, yeah, I retired. I'm going to be – hopefully they invite me back for for announcing on those things because um, I, I would love to be around. I enjoy the competition. If Rosie needs a partner, him and Joe's, and I think even, um, even Peter joins in, I would like to do that. And you can pinch hit, Jolly. You can pinch hit and take the CEO or take our boss man deep. <laughs> First reserve. Yeah, I will, uh, for the next Blitzball battle, for those who are enjoying the warehouse content, I'm going to have my own little stat corner, which I'm very excited about. We've built the Blitzball stat database, so I have stuff to go through and like splits and all that, so that'll be really fun. And I'll still be involved in some capacity, but I had my shining moment, you know? I had my yeah, moment. you did it. Good. You you, uh, you you went out Going on Super top. Bowl champ. You know? You didn't You didn't come out of retirement like Tom Brady to, That's right. to walk off a loser. Didn't so taint did, the legacy. You did it. Didn't taint the legacy, but yeah. Sorry to break your heart, Paul. Thank you for your call, though. Paul from Pennsylvania. That's a that's a legit caller. Strong, name. strong name right there. I like that. All right, next one. Hi, Jolly, um, and hello, Jerry. I have just one question for you guys. Uh, what do you guys think of the bullpen situation? I think that, um, you know, it has a tremendous upside, but also a very, very big downside. Um, you know, obviously Diaz had such a great year last year, Adivino too. 
But, you know, there are some, there are still so many questions with like Robertson and I think Rayleigh too. So I just want to know what you guys think about the bullpen and how confident you guys are going into 2023. Thank you. All you, if you want yeah, to take it. Um, bullpens are always volatile. That's a position of, you know, what have you done for me lately? But on paper, I'm very excited about what the bullpen looks like. Obviously, Edwin Diaz as the closer it gives you a leg up on everybody outside of, you know, Emmanuel Class A. And, you know, and so I, I like the shape of the bullpen. I think Brooks Raley is an underappreciated asset. I would love to see a true lefty and Andrew Chafin, who's still out there, um, come into the the fold here. But they've got depth. They've they've got a lot of really good back end style bullpen arms, and then they have some some wily vet, you know, mid relief arms. Um, I like the shape of the bullpen. I think it's a I think it's a plus. I definitely don't think it's a minus. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, you can point to the collective age, but you can kind of do that for the whole Mets team, really, if you want to be honest there. Uh, And they have a formidable top five. You know, you have Diaz, who gives you a leg up, like you said. Ottavino coming back is huge. I think that kind of gets underscored because it happened a little bit later, and there were so many signings that happened. Robertson was great. Happened on the same day as Nimmo, so that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit. But these are really reliable guys that have been doing it for years And you also have Drew Smith back there, who I'm still a huge believer in that can take that real next step and be one of the guy guys at the back of this bullpen. I think it's a matter of who kind of fills out the back end. And the Mets have done a good job at least giving themselves options. You had the John Curtis deal last year. He'll be healthy now. We saw a lot of great innings from Steven Nagosik last year. Elisa Hernandez has had some good starts for the Marlins. And all those quadruple-A guys that we mentioned before who are kind of waiting in the wings for their shot – so at at least nothing else, the Mets have depth. They have answers for guys that can pitch in the bullpen. Tommy Hunter came back. He was huge for us last year as well. So, I mean, there will be no shortage of relievers. And I think you have the elite talent at the back end that makes this kind of one of the stronger areas of the Mets roster, in my opinion, barring any injuries. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, you know, that long guy kind of, we'll see. You've got you've got starters. You've, you've got Joey Lucchese who's mm. out there with that churve. Uh, could be that kind of long guy if he doesn't make this rotation. Uh, you've got options, and that's the key. They have guys by name and by reputation um, and track record that can pitch the seventh, eighth inning of a of a one run ball game and seal the deal. And so you want guys like that. Again, we're huge, you know, Drew Smith fans. He could lock down that eighth inning guy. You're kind of hoping for that next step from him to to see that. But you you've got options. You've got depth. Uh, you've got track record. Um, I think it's a. I think it's a plus. I think the team is solid back there in the bullpen. Yeah, definitely agree across the board. All right, onwards. Okay, so excuse my voice. I'm currently sick, but how would you guys platoon? Not necessarily platoon, but work with the catchers with Tomas, you know, and Omar Narvaez, and then Francisco Alvarez. How would you project it to happen? And how would you think that the Mets are going to do with it? Okay, thanks, guys, for the show. That's a good question, too. What was what was the second half? How do you handle the catching situation? Was so there how another? Would, how would we do it, and how do we think the Mets will do it? I think Got it. You, you, you go off. You go first. I'll go second. Sure. Um, so on fan graphs right now, Narvaez is the starter. Nito is the backup. Uh, which I which I find a little interesting because Nito is very familiar with the staff. He's been with the team a while. He just got signed for a two-year deal, which is awesome. 
Um, so that's how they have it laid out right now. I mean, I've said for a while that in a perfect world, I would have liked to see Alvarez up with the club immediately, maybe not catching every day, but catching at least once per rotation turn and getting reps both ways. That's probably not going to happen. That's what I would like to happen in a realistic fashion with maybe two pitchers going to Nervais, two going to Nito, and one going to Alvarez. Um, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, and that's that's okay because Alvarez can get seasoning and become really good at the position and kind of just take it over fully once he's ready. Uh, in terms of what I think the Mets will do, I'm hoping that we see kind of the 2019 version of Omar Nervais, who had a really good offensive first half and has shown that he can be that kind of offensive catcher like he did with the Brewers. With Nito, you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting a really solid defender. You're getting a good clubhouse guy, a guy that can give you really clutch hits. Remember, he was a great two-out hitter last year with runners in scoring position and a nice bat to have back there because catcher is you know, a luxury position. There's not a lot of great catchers out there right now. And I think the Mets have built themselves an okay uh, you know, supply here with Narvaez and Nito. I think the real thing is going to be, can one of these guys take the position and run with it on both sides of the ball? Um, I don't think they want either one of them, and I don't think they'll allow either one of them to run away with it. I think there's a, there's a hot hand aspect to it. If a guy's raking, he's going to play a little bit longer. But catching is so tough, and they want to – they don't want to have to bring up Francisco Alvarez. They don't want to force him into uh, an everyday role when he's not ready or when they think he's not ready. Um, so I think this is a true, uh, a true platoon plus a little bit more regular at bats for for Nito. Hmm. You know, him being right-handed, he can't only play against lefties because I don't think there's enough for him to get uh, the at bats that he deserves. And he's so good defensively, and he knows the. He knows the the pitching staff so well that I think he's going to play more often than not. But I, I I like it, you know, maybe a true 50-50 split kind of thing and, and maybe 60-40 if Nervaez can hit righties better because he's left-handed. Sure. I, I still think I see Nervaez kind of getting the, the majority of reps. But another question I wanted to ask you is kind of when, when do you think Alvarez would get the keys? Like when do you think he would come up and sort of become the number one guy? Does that happen this year? Uh, to me, it depends on Francisco Alvarez. Obviously, if he's if he's down there and he has a huge leap forward defensively, or if he's just completely raking and the catching is not doing great, I think they would call him up. They don't want to put pressure on him to have to hit. Sure, they don't want to. They and if if Narvaez and Nito are are doing solid replacement level work, I think they stay with it. Um, if they need a DH and he just is, he's still tearing the ball up. I think they'll let him do that. But ultimately I think he's most valuable as a future catcher. And I think they're going to allow him to season. So September, you mm-hmm. know, if all things going the Mets way that you don't see this guy until rosters expand. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I because I don't think they want to force him in. And I think they're counting on Narvaez and Nito being a guy being being capable of of being in the big leagues and uh let him just flourish down there let him get some real reps at catcher at the triple a level seeing some some high level talent uh throw to him and let's see him progress defensively yeah i still find it really interesting that both those deals were two-year deals it kind of feels like they're prepping for 2024 alvarez but yeah yeah maybe yeah i think so i think it's i think that's the key i think 
again, don't put pressure on him to have to be ready. True. Let him come up. Let the evaluators truly, truly let him. Because I, I was all for him being our everyday starter, letting him get his his bumps and bruises in mm-hmm. the big leagues because his bat, and I still think we need that power. Um, but the way they've shaped the roster by by signing Narvaez shows me that they just want him to season and, and be a, be a catcher with a power versus just a DH. And I respect it. So I, I like what they've done. I would have rather let him be in the lineup every day, but with the way this, this roster is shaped out, you can't. So, yeah, I think catcher and third base, those are the two toughest positions right now to kind of see where they will be like three months from now. So, yeah. Uh, again, for me, Escobar is the guy at third base. Sure until proven otherwise because he 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 had 20 homers last year he he had a solid year it was really bad for a while and he lost some playing time um but ultimately he had it in a down year but it's worse than it it's not as bad as it felt and i think he's a very big bounce back candidate i think he's a very good hitter and a switch hitter i think he could be very good and i really think brett Beatty needs some defensive seasoning as well at third base because it's such an important defensive position um his future's bright i think mm. he's going to be uh, an impactful bat for the future but i think both of those guys are in the same category of they're a little too green right now defensively and, and let them see some elite pitching at triple a before they call him up yeah, I, I like the caution, honestly, because, you know, we're, we're starting to get real excited about Alvarez and Beatty. I feel like we talk more and more about them every episode. So this, Mets are doing the this, best. this roster, we talk about the age all the time. Right. This is it's built to give these guys a longer time seasoning in in AAA. Yep. It's built to 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 gap until uh, their own prospects come through the system. And so you don't want to force it, even though, you know, if your team's competitive and you can get an edge they're not afraid to call them up they tried it last year at the end of the year but this team is really built on the backs of allowing these guys to to stay in AAA and not forcing them to come up which is a a testament to how well billy epler and the front office have done creating depth um but the age these guys are big leaguers let them be in the big leagues and let the young guys you know scratch and claw and earn their way up versus out of necessity well put next one hey jack hey jerry it's linda aka velcro baby i don't have a question but i just want to say i keep a gratitude journal and i'm really grateful for you guys and this podcast i enjoy it every week keep doing what you do and let's go mets had to throw that one in there because that I love it. That was maybe Shout the first Linda, call we Velcro got. Velcro baby. I think it was the first call we got, and it wasn't even a question. It was just like that's a that's hey, amazing. Love the show. Um, I'm very gratitude journal. That's amazing. Like that's awesome. you, your Twitter presence feels like somebody that would have a gratitude journal because in a what can be a very negative social media mm-hmm. uh, of Twitter, you're such a, a shining light. So thank you, Linda. That's amazing. Yeah, um, we are grateful for you. You've been with us from the jump. You're an OG, you know, Shea Station fan. So we appreciate you. We appreciate you big time. Hopefully, one day your son sees the light and becomes a Mets fan instead of a Braves fan, because that would that would be perfect. Be perfect. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And again, she has to write down that she's grateful for her son because right. she doesn't want him to be mad at him. So she has to remind herself. <laughs> Even though he's a Braves fan, I love love him him for his shining light. And we love Linda.
And Linda, I think that's the first time I've heard your voice. Really? Good job. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I was I surprised. I don't know if she called in last time. I know she probably did, and and uh, again, I'm grateful. But um, that might be a call in. We might like, hey, Linda, you want to be on the pod every once in a while? Who knows? Fan show? I think we we hinted at that last year. We never did it. Maybe yeah, we'll do. We'll do maybe that'll be an off season. Well, I'm th- maybe if we're at spring training and there's a lot of Shea Station and they're fans. around, we'll record. We're ready. We'll figure it right, out. We got it. Thank under you control. again. Thank you. If I had a gratitude journal, you would be in it, Linda, one hundred percent. But I am not that good of a person. Oh come on! Yes, you are. All right, next one. What's up, Jerry and Jolly? Hey guys, uh, quick question for you: Wondering if you still think Tyler McGill has what it takes to be the next ace of the staff, the next Jacob mm. DeGrom. I remember seeing Jolly say that on Twitter, and I'd like to know if that's still uh, what, you, what you're thinking. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the question. I think I'll, I'll probably take a lead on this one. Um, so I made that video last year. Um, still stick by a lot of what I said, but I think the problem is when you're, when you're in the YouTube sphere, you do, you do stuff that'll get clicks and put into DeGrom on a thumbnail. It'll get clicks. The main crux of that video was the average uh, extension, average vertical run, average horizontal run of a lot of McGill's pitches matched the profile of Jacob DeGrom back in 2016 and 2017. They were almost identical in terms of fastball, slider, all that. So I was like, oh, they were very similar in height as well. Oh, okay. So you could follow a similar development. And I think a lot of people took that as this guy thinks Tyler McGill is going to be the best pitcher on the planet, which it's not necessarily true. That being said, Tyler McGill as a number six, number seven is an insane luxury that I think a lot of Mets fans haven't fully grasped yet because of the injury troubles of McGill's past. Same thing with David Peterson, too. Having those two as your six and seven at AAA is insane. And these are guys that I still think are massive pieces of the future of the New York Mets rotation, especially with contracts winding down on Carlos Carrasco. Quintana's only a two-year deal. I, I kind of see it the same way as like Escobar and Beatty and Narvaez and Alvarez. These guys are going to step into that space once those contracts are up and once they're fully ready. And when Tyler McGill is ready, I truly believe that he can be a 30-start, 3-ERA caliber guy because of his uptick in velocity in the past years. He went from 94 to 98. He's developing pitches. And I think that with more seasoning and w- with more protection – uh, I think Tyler McGill can develop a little bit more properly. The Mets kind of had to lean on him in 2021 when they were really strapped for depth. Last year, he got the opening day start, which I think a lot of people forget about, and then sort of tailed off after that great April. I still think there's a lot in the tank for Tyler McGill. Is he the next Jacob DeGrom? No. But I still think he's going to be a great Major League starter. Uh, yeah, I'm going to – I'm gonna. you said everything. It was a, a – clickbaity topic you knew it was going to be it was controversial which We're is in the fine. Business that's, YouTube, that's the youtube space We're in the business um so i'm gonna ask a deeper question here in a sense that like what is his cap is he a number two cap like that's his ceiling do you think not just on <sighs> the match but in general you know how you label guys like sure. a true ace a number one a number two number three where do you see his ceiling I do think it, it, it is number two on the Mets, I will say, because I do feel like the Mets will always put the best foot forward to have somebody at the top that is either proven or established. Even if you're a number like one on a team, you could be labeled a number two. Like I've, you sure. know what I mean? Exactly. Like I've seen, correct. So. But I, the biggest thing I want is for McGill's arm health to be sustainable because we've had flashes of brilliance and then injury. And I think, you know, the workload is the biggest thing from there. I think we saw that 
from David Peterson last year. He threw 100 innings for the first time in the major leagues and was still very, very efficient even towards the end when he was switching roles and all that. That's kind of the next step for Tyler McGill because we kind of thought he might be this bullpen super weapon. It didn't really pan out that way because he still kind of appears as a true starter, a guy that's still good third time through the order, can go six or seven innings and still be sharp at the end. I still remember that Subway Series start he had against the Yankees in 21 where he struck out 10 guys in seven innings. He was still very green back then. We were sort of leaning on him for big starts. That's the kind of guy I still see McGill being, and he's only getting better. So I do view him as a true number two caliber guy. It's just the fact that can he put together a 25 to 30 start season? We'll see. Yeah, that's fair. And nobody will ever be the next Jacob DeGrom in my eyes. That's not fair uh, to anyone. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so. But that's why I put long hair DeGrom in there. Not short there hair DeGrom. There's the distinction, you know? <laughs> it's pre Cy Young's. Exactly. He's just a good pitcher. That's just all. rookie of the year. That's you all. Know, no pressure. Kid. Champion of the playoffs kind of <laughs> Jacob DeGrom. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Next one. Hey guys, Jeff Kleinschmidt here. This question's for Jerry. It's pretty A's related, but what were the two differences you noticed playing in front of Mets fans as opposed to playing in Oakland? I spoke to Trevor May about it recently, and he's, of course, going to be more, we're going to have more, I'm stuttering and I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask him more details as (laughs) time goes on. He did say he's stoked about all the foul territory Oakland has to offer. And then another question, um, Jerry, is when you were transitioning from player to member of the media, what was your biggest uh, surprise about it all? Thanks, guys. Shout out Jessica Kleinschmidt, um, TV personality for the Oakland Athletics Bay Area. Um, She's very good at her job. If you guys don't follow her on social media, you should. She's good. From the A's fans to the Mets fans, I find them very similar. I've said it in the past. They're both very similar. They're very, um, you know, the the blue-collar, hard-hat-style baseball fan with the San Francisco Giants across the bay, you know, and their beautiful skyline. And it's easy to be a Giants fan, and they've got the celebrities – uh, as an A's fan, you're a true baseball fan. They they have their own celebrities. They have their own following. But it just feels like the not, you know, the lesser than, the little brother style. Um, and the same with the the Mets. As, as, as good as the team is, as fun as it is to be a, a Mets fan, as as much celebrity as they have, the, the Yankees are a world brand, you know, the greatest sports franchise in the world, in my opinion. Um so you feel like that little brother, you know, you know, no matter what, you have all these championships, whatever the case may be. Uh, the fans are very similar, very loyal. There's such a really good group of like season ticket holders that are around. Um, but it is different because the Bay Area set of personalities versus the New York set of personalities is different. The Oakland fans are much more um forgiving on day-to-day basis uh as the the Mets fans in New York is a is a what have you done for me lately we still love you but we're not afraid to chew your ear off if we think you're you you didn't come up in a situation which is again uh, fair for both you're allowed to do whatever you want as a fan Uh, I love them both and I'll forever love them both well put yeah I really like how you you highlight the similarities because the franchises couldn't be 
in different places right now, in more different places between the A's and the Mets in terms of ownership taking the franchise in one direction or the other. Um, and I think it really highlights the fact that, like, regardless of where your team plays, who owns your team, baseball fans, if they are spirited enough and if a team, you know, gives them so much in the past, they will still be rabid year in and year out. And I'm hoping that it doesn't end up with the A's being relocated or whatever everyone is theorizing because that is a storied franchise. They have some of the most memorable seasons in recent baseball history. You go back to Moneyball, you go back to the winning streak, you go back to the 2010s years with Bob Melvin. There were so many good A's teams. There's a reason that fan base is the way they are, and it's because the A's have put together a great culture of baseball leading up until these recent years, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of new people getting into baseball, and this is the perception of the A's that they'll have, which is disheartening. But at the same time, you know, this is the perception of the Mets that these newer fans will have. They only know the Mets as this kind of team. It's a tough time to be an A's fan and one that I, I respect them so much more because uh, it feels it would be so easy to jump ship. Yep. And I feel like they're being forced to or trying to push them away. Uh, so, again, that's that's the details that that are, are deeper. But uh, the second part of uh, Jessica's question had to do with like the transition from player right to media i think the biggest difference for me was how quickly the game kind of moves on from from you um and i expected it i was anticipating it i wasn't blind to that fact but you know when you're in a clubhouse as a reporter and you you're wearing the you know the the label that that says you're with the media uh and if the guys don't know who you are you're not a player you know you show up in uniform and you get the respect of the clubhouse right. and quickly i remember being in oakland there's guys that don't know me and i was covering the team in cleveland there uh i put the the lanyard on i go in to say hi to you know Stephen vote and sean murphy and there's guys who are like who the hell is this guy in our clubhouse and i'm like <laughs> oh shit that turned like that and deservedly yeah. so because i'm on the other side now but it's real quick the game moves on without you uh, it's a tough spill, pill to swallow for anybody, especially one not expecting it. But it's beautiful from this side. You know, my body feels so much better now. <laughs> uh, I do miss it. I was breaking in my glove. I text Jolly the other day to make sure he brings his glove. I'm never forgetting again. Training trip. I'm never forgetting. Uh, because I, I would, I miss it. I do miss a lot of aspects of it. Um, but I'm a very happy man on this side. Hell yeah. Well put. And I will never. I forgot my glove in LA. I had to borrow one when we went to the All Star game. Never forgetting my glove again. I bring my glove everywhere. Catcher's for, glove. for the most part. Listen, if you're firing 90 at me, I'm going to need a catcher's glove. Nice padding. I do have a catcher's mitt, too. That was like my last uh, shout out to Stevie Cohen, the Rawlings rep, not nice. Mets owner. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, he's he's the best rep in the league, according to his own Instagram. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but my last glove was a catcher's mitt, a lefty catcher's mitt. And I still got to break that thing in. Lefty's catcher's mitt. I didn't even know they oh, made it's those. so dope. It's crazy. It's cool. Love a catcher's mitt. And I think we're on our last one, right, Jack? I need to hear I need to hear and it's for the people. Hold on, Jack. I need to hear your voice for the people. My voice? Oh yeah. <laughs> is this our is this our last voicemail that we're gonna put on? This is the last one. All right, thank you. I just needed to hear He's the been sultry silently sound running the voice. show, you know? Just pulling the strings. <laughs> hey Jolly, hey Jerry. Uh, my name's Ryan. I'm from Farmingville, Long Island. Uh, big fan of the show. Big fan of you guys. Been watching Jerry. Been a big fan of him since uh, he was on the Mets. Um, just got a fun question for you guys. Uh, 
if you had the power to retire the number of just one former Met player, don't care from the beginning uh, up until like a few years ago, who would you retire? I want to hear from both of you. Uh, thanks, guys. Good yeah. question. <sighs> okay, so let's go over who is retired. Yeah, give me that. I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's Willie Mays last year, Keith last year. It is Coos, Piazza, everyone has Jackie Robinson. And then it's Seaver and Hodges? I think that's that's everyone. I feel like I'm missing one. I don't know. I think that's everyone. At Casey Stengel is the last one. Okay. So that leaves you with, I mean, a lot of 86 guys. There's one big one in the 2010s who everyone's probably thinking of. Um, I'll I'll go with I'll go with the not obvious answer. Who I mean, David Wright's number David is being retired. That's an obvious one. Might so even we'll go outside. Might even yeah, we're not going to pick that. I'll go. You know what? I'll go with the guy that mentored David Wright. I'll go with Hojo. Hojo, I think, is a super underappreciated Met. Kind of got the, got to the team right as they hit their apex in the 80s and was incredibly reliable for them, a great one of the better power hitters in Mets history. And the reason why I think he's deserving is because he's kind of, he's always kind of been with the club, even when they were under different ownership back in the Wilpon era. He was always around the team and was kind of an important voice for the talents that they developed in later decades of Mets baseball. Obviously the most significant one being David Wright. But I just think that he's one of those underappreciated Mets who is right up there in a lot of, you know, like top 10 or whatever all-time Mets stats. And it kind of doesn't get the love that, you know, other guy, other superstars of that era did get. And if we are kind of, you know, making an effort to preserve Mets history and highlight Mets history, I think he's kind of a, a fun number to have up there in the rafters. And I think a lot of Mets fans would really appreciate that as much as I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, well-deserved for him to get his, you know, his Hall of Fame introduction coming up. I think that's incredible. Uh, I'm going to say I think is very deserving uh, of his number being retired, and I think it's number 16. Mm. And I think that is synonymous with that era of dominance the New York Mets had and Dwight Gooden. I think Doc deserves his number 16 to be retired. I can't look at a number 16 New York Mets jersey without thinking of Doc. And for good reason. The guy spent, what, 11 years as a Met? Won 157 games, uh, 303 starts, 67 CGs, over 2,000 innings as a a New York Met. Um, You know, uh, there's what he did is incredible. Four-time All-Star, Cy Young winner. Like, the guy came up at 19. Like, just so crazy. Um, I think he deserves to have his number retired. And I don't – having your number retired is another huge step away. Like, you go into the team's Hall of Fame, that's incredible on its own. But to retire a number where there's never going to be a player behind you wearing that same jersey number is a much, much more elite circle – uh, and I think Doc Gooden deserves it. I I love that answer. I kind of I'm sad I didn't think of Doc first because I went I went offense brain first. But I like that we had one hitter, one pitcher. 
I mean, dude, Doc, Doc's 1985 season is so unbelievable. He had a one five ERA at 16 complete games as a 20 year old. As a, did you look at his numbers as a 19 year old? They're he crazy. Should, like, They're nuts. his numbers as a rookie at 19 years old were insane too. Like the guy is just he was so dominant. Uh, he should have won the Cy Young. Yeah, his his 19 year old year. Like crazy. you know, if the voting were today, I think he wins it. Because so, who who wins instead of him? Rick Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe. threw 150 innings. Yeah. Um, went 16 and one. Yeah. Okay. Made only ma- only made 20 starts. God. That year. Doc, Dwight Gooden. Doc had 120 uh, Doc had more strikeouts. Starts through 218 innings and dominated. He had. 120 more strikeouts like Crazy. he would have won he had a lower whip that, he would have won that's so had the voting been a modern vote it's really interesting that they went with a guy with less volume and like every stat and less wins uh, too. it was wins thought, were bigger he only had one loss he i guess went 16 yeah. and one where doc only went 17 and nine only like he went and Crazy. he was a rookie that was another one of those things where you know this kid will have his own rick sutcliffe is you know, again a, a, a great pitcher in his own right but and and just so it's said, the implied answer I'm assuming from both of us is David Wright. But I think this is yeah, a good for sure. To that's in, that's inevitable to yeah. me. I think that that might happen this year, honestly. Yeah, but I think uh, I think Doc Gooden is deserving uh, of having his number retired, and I don't say that lightly. I think Howard Johnson deserves the Hall of Fame status, but I don't think that he deserves his number being retired. And I think that's a distinction. Nothing against Howard sure. Johnson, but that's a distinction that that's a separator. My dad's favorite player growing up still didn't to me. There you go. Your dad has made a couple of appearances in today's. Listen, pod. man, he's the reason I'm here. I don't think I'm a baseball nut without that's, my. That's uh, that's true. Without early, you know, on multiple levels, it's true that he's the reason that you're here. I mean, if we really want to get deep and philosophical here, we can. We could well, talk we can get, about the facts. We can get physiological too. If you what want to a go way that. to end this show, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for leaving us so many voicemails. I'm really sorry that we could not get to them all, but I feel like we, we kind of have to do this again. We could probably do another episode with all the voicemails we couldn't fit into this one. Um, but this was a lot of fun. I love these kind of kind of pods. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Again, this is awesome. Uh, for those of you that are going to be in spring training, uh, please come say hello to us. Please. We'll be down there. You'll um, find us. You'll find so us. So excited. So we're, we are a very fan friendly um, podcast. So if you're around, we will talk to you. So I Jolly think... might not sign autographs. He's kind of a jerk sometimes, but it'll just cost you. That's all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Everything's for a price. But I do think that like an episode where we kind of just have an open mic and fans come on and say, hey, and just talk shop with us. I think that would be so much fun. We should do it. I agree. Hell yeah. I agree. All right, guys. We'll see you soon sometime next week. And then hopefully we see you in bright and sunny Florida in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. And we got to hear Jack's voice. Oh, my goodness. Highlight of the episode. Mine, anyway. (laughs) Not the socks. That's true. Nope. Jack's voice. <laughs>